This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson here from Studio B. Hope this Tuesday finds you well. Hope you all enjoyed the long weekend, at least those who were able to uh, have yesterday off. If not, still hope you had a great weekend here in the Big Easy or wherever this uh, podcast will find you. Uh, we have a lot to talk about on this Tuesday as the Pelicans return from a long 11-day, five-game home road trip, I should say. Now they begin a six-game homestand that will take them uh, through the end of January here at the Smoothie King Center. Unfortunately, they fell to the Pacers yesterday on Dr. King's Day, 98 to 95. Anthony Davis left in the third quarter around the seven-minute mark after he got a hit on a foul by Miles Turner. It was ruled a common foul, which probably was. He just landed awkwardly on his tailbone. Good thing his x-rays were negative. Um, Pelicans have off today, so we won't know and AD status until tomorrow when the Pelicans welcome in the Orlando Magic. Ironically, the Davis did not play against the Magic uh, when they first played on November 16th, and the Pelicans lost to Orlando 92-89. to So the Pelicans finished the road trip 2-3. and three. They're now 16-26, and 26, but sit just a game and a half back of the Blazers for the 8th spot in the Western Conference. It seems like no one wants to run away with the 8th spot as the Blazers got killed yesterday in Washington. So it's Basically down the four teams. I mean, Minnesota's still into in it as well, so I'd say five teams. You have Minnesota a couple games behind the Pelicans. You have the Pelicans um, within a game of each the Kings and the Nuggets, and then a game to have back of the Blazers, um, who are on a road trip right now. Pelicans have a chance to gain some ground or at least keep some ground uh, when the, they have a six-game homestand that again begins tomorrow um, here at the Smoothie King Center. So we'll talk to Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com about the big homestand. Um, his assessment on the first half of the season and the road trip and much more. And uh, on the football side, the final four is set. Championship matchups are ready to go for Sunday as uh, the Packers and Falcons will score off in the NFC Championship. I know Saints fans don't want to hear that as far as the Falcons are concerned. And then the AFC should be a good one. Tom Brady will take on Ben Roethlisberger, Steelers, and Patriots after a pretty good divisional round this Saturday. I, would, I will say... That uh, Saturday's games weren't as great as the Falcons blew out the Seahawks and the Patriots. Although the Texans, I thought, played a lot better than uh, they would play against New England. Uh, Patriots end up pulling away thanks to Deion Lewis, who scored a touchdown in every way possible, it seemed like. But then the games on Sunday were unbelievable. That Packers-Cowboys game where the Packers scored on the final drive there, the 30 seconds to go, and Aaron Rodgers um, basically doing things on his own, drawing up his own plays. That great play to Jared Cook. And then the game-winning field goal um, as time expired. So a, a great ending there as the Cowboys end their season. They were 13-3 and in the regular season but could not advance to the NFC Championship game. And then that Steelers-Chiefs game, that uh, holding call that the Chiefs say uh, was not a holding call. It looked like one to me. Do you call it in that situation? I feel like it's such a tough situation when you're going for two. Do you really call holding calls on there? I think it was a blatant holding call. But I know Kansas City fans won't really agree with me there. But either way, uh, it was a good defensive battle between the Steelers and the Chiefs. And the Steelers were able to hold on. So a good divisional round, I would say. And we look forward to the NFC and AFC Championship this weekend. Packers and Falcons, Steelers and Patriots. We'll get Scott Shanley's take on that. Former Saints linebacker and Super Bowl champion. We'll hear his thoughts 
on the NFL playoffs. And of course, as I mentioned, we'll talk Pelicans with Jim Eikenhofer. Let's get to it as we have a lot to get to on this Tuesday. We'll start with Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com. Then Scott Chanley will talk NFL playoffs. Stick with us. This is the Black and Blue Report. It's family night. You take the wife and kids to a new hibachi restaurant. The flames go up. Your wife's eyebrows get singed off. And Junior leaves with a black eye thanks to a projectile shrimp. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Brooklyn Nets Friday, January 20th. First 3,000 kids receive a Pierre toothbrush holder. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. It is Tuesday, which means Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com joins me. He's recovering from that 11-day, five-game road trip that ended yesterday in Indianapolis. He joins me on the telephone now. Jim, uh, welcome back to the Big Easy and glad to have you on, my friend. Thanks. It's good to be here. What better way to start the next day after an 11-day road trip than to be on the Black and Blue Report on Tuesdays with Daniel? Oh, I'm sure that's the first thing you wanted to do was come on with me after you get back from a long road trip. <laughs> I know you're lying to me, but I appreciate the thought as well. Of course. <laughs> Jim, let's talk no about the, let's talk about this five-game road trip. Um, I know a lot of people thought Pelicans need to go or should go 3-2, and 4-1. and one. I mean, different people had different expectations. They end up going two and three wins against Brooklyn, New York, losses against Indiana, Chicago, and Boston. How would you assess the five-game road trip? I mean, from the standpoint of that, when you have a long road trip like this, you one of the biggest things you want to make sure you do is you don't play yourself out of contention or play yourself out of the race. And so they accomplished that by going two and three, I think, before the road trip started you'd probably realistically say, you know, hey, you want to go 3-2, and 4-1, and one, but if it's 2-3, and three, it's not terrible. So I, I know that's not a, exactly a glowing evaluation of, of the road trip by saying it wasn't terrible. But um, I thought the game yesterday against Indiana and, and probably a little bit of the Chicago game as well was kind of, um, kind of emblematic of the, of the season overall, just that they've, they've, there's been a lot of chances to move up in the standings, win some more – games and you know just opportunities where they've been right there and had chances to win but couldn't um come up with the the scores that they needed um the cleveland game was a lot like that too where you 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 know it was right there for the taking it seems like there's been a lot of games like that lately but i think that's part of what happens when your defense is really good they've moved into the top 10 but your offense is near the bottom of the league you you have games where your defense keeps you in it but at the when it comes down to it and you have a chance to get over the top at the end you, you you're not able to come up with the baskets that you need to uh to to come up with a win and you end up with you know a three-point loss like what happened yesterday against indiana you mentioned the good defense the pelicans have been playing in the offense that hasn't really met expectations i think at the beginning of the year we talked about the offense we're really not worried about it was the defense that we were going to 
kind of see how it went. Um, what can, can you put anything on why the offense has struggled so much and maybe why the defense has been playing well? Is there anything you can put your hat on? I think early in the season, the biggest problem was just that no one was making shots. And it seemed like there were, there were a bunch of cases you could point to across the roster where guys who shot a certain percentage in their career were way below that. I think you still have that to some extent in a few cases, but um, it seems like lately it's been a situation where you there's been very few times where, um, especially on the road, where more than two or three guys have, have all played well offensively at the same time. It seems like one guy gets on a little roll where he'll, he'll have three or four good games in a row, but then somebody else who had been playing well kind of dips a little bit. So um, I think it's just been uh, – lately it's been that, a case where you're just not getting enough um, – different guys to to play well yesterday was actually curious because they had six guys in double figures but a lot of but some of it was inefficiency it wasn't it was guys that that didn't really shoot that great that got to like Tyreek had 12 points for example on 13 shots um not to pinpoint him too much because he's been playing well lately but um just it seems like at home they've there's been a lot of games where they've had a bunch of different guys that played well and that was result that resulted in wins you know as for example, during that four-game winning streak they had, that was all home games. But um, you're just not seeing that as much on the road, and that's part of why they don't have as many road wins right now as as anyone would would like to see when you're in such a tight race right now for the eighth spot. I'm glad you mentioned Tyreek Evans because I wanted to ask you about him. We're kind of seeing the old Tyreek Evans on this road trip. At least he played well in that uh, Brooklyn game. Um, kind of stepped up. I know uh, he didn't play as well yesterday, but I think he had some big shots um, when Anthony Davis went down. Are we are we seeing the old Tyreek Evans? Yeah, I think we're seeing shades of it. I, I definitely think that he would be the first to say, um, and, and people around the team that have been monitoring, that he's not – 100% yet, and it's going to take him a while with as long as he was out. But you can see some of the, the physical stuff coming back as far as being able to get by guys and being able to go get to the rim. And he's just such a he's he's just such a great athlete, and he's so um, I, the analogy I use sometimes is he just reminds me of a running back that he can get into the lane and he can bounce off people, and you know he's able to just go through contact a lot and still finish or or still draw free throws. So. Um, but I see, I definitely think you see a lot of that um, coming back. And if he can keep making progress in that way, I think it's going to do nothing but help the, the bench as far as, you know, having another guy that the other team has to be really concerned about from game to game. We're talking with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Jim, I want to talk about uh, what we like to call the small ball lineup, even though Gentry and the guys don't really want to label it that but we've I think we've had a good sample size of how this lineup has gone I think we've had some stretches of really good ball we've seen some stretches of eh kind of ball how would you what's your take on the uh small ball lineup as we've had a, a decent sample size of it now I mean I think overall it's been an improvement I think it's it's you're you're definitely seeing better play overall than than the previous lineup but um I mean there's there's certain things that that it gets that they get hurt on, including we've seen a few games lately where where rebounding um, was a problem. The, the Chicago game, the Bulls had 21 offensive rebounds, so sometimes I think that they are getting hurt a little bit inside more than maybe they would be with a different lineup. But um, but overall, I I don't think for a second I, I've 
ever once been like, you know, maybe they should go back to what they were doing before. I feel like the the change that they made was definitely a positive. Um, I think we'd we'd be even more. I mean, it'd be it would be even more of a of a of a story in terms of a positive one, and and people looking at it like it was a really good decision if they simply could play like five percent better on offense, and if they would have would have done that, then you'd you'd have a lot more wins. You know, even if they had gotten one more win on this road trip, I think you'd be looking at it in a lot more in a lot better light than than what it was. Pelicans are 16 and 26. If you're dating back to the last game before the loss, 16 and 25 at the halfway point, which is two games better than last year. So they're technically ahead of pace, probably not where they want to be as far as uh, their record wise. Um, how would you assess the first half of the season for New Orleans? Um, I, I mean, I think I've said this before, but I feel like the the start that they got off to was disappointing, just from the standpoint of that you. You want to play. You want to be more competitive. We you, everyone knew that Drew Holiday was going to be out for a little while. We weren't sure how long, but you hoped it would be a situation where you could stay close to 500. That didn't happen. That they they were two and ten by the time he came back, and also obviously Tyreek was out during that time as well. So um, I think it, it was. It's been disappointing from the standpoint of that there was. You you wanted to avoid the kind of start that you got off to last year. But that didn't happen. So to me, that right off the bat, that was that was tough to to see because you you were kind of repeating the same thing that happened last year. But I thought they made a good recovery in terms of that. You know, they, for a pretty good stretch, they played around 500 ball. They still are about 500 since Drew came back. Um, but the the big, I mean, to me, I, 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 honestly, the big reprieve was just that the how how uh, poor the West has been after the top seven game uh, seven teams. So. Um, I would say, I mean, 16 and 26 is not, it's not something that I don't think anyone's happy with. Um, yeah, they're ahead of last year's pace, but last year's team was as much as this year's team had to wait for a couple of their key guys to play. Um, is this team, this year's team's a lot healthier. So than last year's team was so, um, so overall, I just think it's, it's just, it's been frustrating because again, you there's been so many times. There's been so many times lately. I think where it's like, man, we this this could have been a win, but um, so but 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 like I said, you still have a chance, and that's the the probably one of the biggest differences between um being 16 and 26 this year and being 16 and 26 any other year. That a lot of other years you would have been completely out of it at this point. So um, <clears throat> there's still a lot to play for, and there's still a lot of time to turn this season into something a lot more positive, I think, than what it is right now. Yeah, so I know it might be discouraging uh, with the record of 16-26. and 26. At this point in last season, the Pelicans, I think, were almost five games back of the eighth spot, so it was looking uh, – the chances were uh, slim um, heading into the second half of the season. But with just a game and a half back, I mean, it seems like this race is so wide open. You have the Blazers – who don't want to take advantage of some teams losing below them. You have Denver, who's been up uh, on and off. You have Sacramento, who who knows how what they could end up with with DeMarcus Cousins. So I feel like for the Pelicans, as much as you want to talk about the 16-26, they're, they're right in this thing and definitely have a chance to pull into that eighth spot in the next week or so, don't you think? Yeah, and and, and the thing is, too, is like, um, I mean, you make a good point with Portland. After they beat Cleveland last week, I think – there's probably a lot of teams in the West that are in a similar situation to the Pelicans that, that saw that result and were like, uh-oh, Portland's about to get it together. 
And, I mean, based on what you know that they're capable of, they made the playoffs last year. They have two really good players at the top of their roster, and they went to the second round um, and played Golden State last year. But they come back in two nights later and they lose at home to Orlando, which was a pretty um, head-scratching result. And then yesterday they get destroyed by Washington, who I know is playing well, but, um, I mean, it was a 30-point-something game at one point. So um, it does seem like... Portland is, I feel like I've been saying this for three or four weeks, maybe longer than that, that they're the team that has a chance. You look at them as the team that if they get it together, then and, and all these other teams are staying at the same level where they are, including the Pelicans, that Portland could get it, could build themselves a cushion and put everybody else in trouble. But it really isn't happening right now. So, And um, Portland's about to – Portland just started a four-game road trip. Sacramento – has one more home game and then they have eight games on the road. And meanwhile, the Pelicans have a, are starting a six-game home stand um, Wednesday night. So, I mean, if you look at, I know there's a couple other teams involved, but if you look at those teams, it, we're actually entering a stretch right now where you you say, geez, this is lines up about as well as it possibly could in terms of you know the the home schedule for New Orleans and the road schedule for a couple of these other teams. I'm glad you brought up the homestand because that's my last question uh, before we get out of here on this Tuesday. Um, Six-game homestand, longest of the season, and there are some tough teams on this uh, homestand. There's also some winnable teams. You have Orlando in Brooklyn the start on Wednesday and Friday. You owe Orlando one after the early November game with no AD, but then you have next week a stretch of Cleveland, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and then you end with that hot Washington team who uh, has been better at home but still struggles on the road. Jim, is we talked about it. I would say during the five-game homestand, let's see how this team does. Then we can assess where we are as a team. Then I said, let's give it to the road trip and see how we are. Is this one of the bigger tests of the season to find out where this team will be after the six-game homestand? And uh, what do you think of this homestand? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting homestand because, you, like you said, you have two teams starting at that are struggling. Brooklyn's the has the worst record in the league right now, but then you also have Cleveland – and San Antonio, and then Oklahoma City has already won here once in New Orleans. So it's it's a it's an interesting mix of of teams at different levels of the NBA. So um, it definitely is a huge stretch, though. Um, after this home stand, I think it's something like seven out of the next nine before the All Star break on the road. So with as much as the Pelicans have been struggling away from home this year, they really need to take advantage of being having the longest home stand of the season. So. I think it is pretty pivotal that they, uh, you know, we keep saying, you know, well, they're still only one and a half games out and so on and so forth. But at a certain point, I feel like if you don't make some progress or even move into that eighth spot and be the eighth place team, you're going to, the schedule is going to turn the other way. And then you're going to be in a situation where you really need to pull out some, some pull off some upsets and, you know, win a ton of games on the road, or you're going to be in a huge hole. So hopefully that's what they, they're going to, that we'll be able to accomplish over these next couple of weeks is to, you know, not only win some games, but maybe even get into a, a, a position where they're being chased instead of constantly saying like, okay, well, we need this team to lose and that team to lose to not get f- further back from, from eighth place in the West. A very crucial six game homestand. That's for sure for the Pelicans. That's Jim Mike and offer Pelicans.com. Of course, check out his work on the website. Also on the mobile app. And Jim, I appreciate the time. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at the arena for the start of a big homestand, my friend. Sounds good. Looking forward to being home for the next couple weeks before uh, 
heading back out again. So it'll be it'll be nice to be here, and I and I think the, everybody, will, the players and the team, will, will be happy to to try to take advantage of this. No doubt about that. When we come back, we'll talk NFL playoffs with Scott Shanley. This is the Black and Blue Report. Hey, New Orleans. The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Time to talk NFL playoffs on this Tuesday as we are down to the final four. Joining me now is former Saints great and Super Bowl champion linebacker Scott Shanley. You can also see him locally here on CST. Scott, glad to have you back on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. No problem. So here we are, Scott. Conference championship time in the NFL. You have the Patriots and Steelers in the AFC, Falcons, Packers in the NFC. Are you surprised by any of these teams making it this far? Well, I think every year you kind of expect, especially in the AFC, for, for Brady and Roethlisberger to be there. And same thing in the NFC. I think I'm surprised, like a lot of people are, that Atlanta had the turnaround they did, especially um offensively they have good players but for them to be as explosive as they were this year I think I'm kind of shocked that Atlanta is, is sitting there with a chance to go to the Super Bowl what do you make of their chances on uh Sunday I know they've had an unbelievable offense this season but their defense has struggled a little bit it's also come on lately with Vic Beasley in that defensive line did the, the Falcons have a real shot here making a nice Super Bowl run well I think they do I think I think their defense is underrated they fly around they have a, they've added a lot of good speed got a lot of positions to their defense. And I think they have a shot, especially because they're playing at home. They're playing against a team in Green Bay who who has a lot of injuries. And it's it's one of those things where anytime you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, you can win games. But you kind of wonder after seeing them play Dallas and, and Dallas clawing their way back in the game, it's just a matter of time before, before Aaron Rodgers can't carry the load. But um, they have so many injuries. They played a tough Giants team. They went on the road, played a tough Dallas team. And it's going to be a tough game to go on the road. But if they beat Atlanta in the Georgia Dome, they've definitely earned it. But but I think you would have to favor Atlanta at this point in that game. How do you uh, – the way Aaron Rodgers has been playing since the second half of the season on, how do you game plan for a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Or is it more just how do you kind of limit him when you're trying to game plan against him? Yeah, anytime you play against a special talent like that, you know they're going to make plays. And I think the one thing you have to get across to your team is to not get frustrated when he does make plays. It's – it's no different than, than anybody in any sport when you play against guys like Steph Curry or Michael Jordan in basketball. You know they're going to make plays. It's just a matter of time. You just you want to try to limit as many of those plays as possible, and hopefully you can come out on the winning end. And I think that's what Atlanta's telling their guys is, hey, he's going to make great plays. He's, he's an outstanding player, but we just have to make more plays than them. And, and 
when the clock hit zero, um, that's all that matters, and, and hopefully we're on the winning end of it. I want to go back to that Packers-Cowboys game the last 30 seconds, or at least that Dallas drive before Green Bay was able to score that game-winning uh, field goal where the, the Cowboys spiked the ball on first down when they looked like they probably could have ran a play. If you had to do that drive over again, would you have not spiked the ball on first down or even maybe draw up a running play to force Green Bay into a timeout? No, I definitely would not have spiked the ball there. And I think, you know, I know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I can remember watching the game and thinking it was odd to spike the ball there with a minute left in the game when you had a timeout. And the last thing you want to do is, is turn the ball back over to Aaron Rodgers with any time left. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, let's focus on the AFC a little bit. Actually, let me go back real quick for, with the Cowboys um, real quick. They finished 13-3, and number one seed. If you were on that team, would you consider this season a failure for the Cowboys or a nice stepping stone? Granted that you had a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back basically carrying this team into the uh, the NFC Divisional round. Well, I think it depends where you are in your career. I think if I'm Jason Witten, I'm looking at it as a failure because you don't get many chances like this. But if you're a young guy, you, you look at it positively and as a stepping stone. But anytime you're the number one seed, you can't lose at home first, first playoff game. I think so. In that regard, I think it's more of a failure than anything else. Yeah, tough one for the Cowboys there, that's for sure. Um, let's move on to the AFC. Nothing surprised me in the Patriots-Texans game, but Chiefs-Steelers game was a good defensive showdown. I want to zero in on that holding call and the two-point conversion late in the game where Casey converted it, but it was called back to that holding call on Eric Fisher. Was that the right call in your eyes? Well, it, it was. I think when you watch it, you look at it, and he had his arm around the neck, which happens a lot. But I think it affected Harrison's rush. I think Harrison would have put some pressure on Smith and would have been able to touch him. Um, you know, I think when you look at it, you look at the playing surfaces. If they're playing on a turf field, that call's easier to make. The fact that James Harrison slipped on the grass, I think that's why the ref said, okay, that's a definite hold. He threw him to the ground. But if you watch the play, James Harrison more slipped than, than anything else. So I think that's the, the call changed because of the, the playing surface. But, you know, when you look over the course of the game, I know the tight end complained a lot about that call, but, you know, he had his own issues throughout the game, whether it was his performance or having penalties. So there's a lot of plays that lead up to that point in the game. And I think as an official there, you'd like to them to not control the game, but at the same time, he's doing a job. And I think more often than not, that call gets called holding. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Scott. Uh, what intrigues you about a Patriots-Steelers AFC Championship game, maybe besides the fact that we're seeing again Roethlisberger and Brady there in the final game of the AFC Championship? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at the AFC, it's uh, it's been, besides Joe Flacco doing it one year, it's, it's always been a Manning or Brady or Roethlisberger. So it's just kind of meant to be. The Steelers are playing good football. Their offense is very explosive. Their defense is starting to play a lot better. But New England at home, it's going to be tough, and, and Bill Belichick, how he does it, is amazing with new players every year. And as long as you have number 12, a quarterback, you have a chance to win. And I think it's I think it's going to be an outstanding game that, that should be a four-quarter game and is going, to be, is going to be quite a battle. But, you know, I'd have to – if somebody made me pick, I would. it would be hard to pick against New England at home. So I know you were talking about the Falcons before. Do you have New England and Atlanta in the Super Bowl? Uh, no, I actually – you know, my, my – the, the saint in me says I can't say that Atlanta's going to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, when I when I go with my heart, I want to, you know, cheering for Green Bay. I think Green Bay's on a special run. But if I sit down and just look at the numbers, Atlanta playing at home, uh, their offense is so explosive. Green Bay, if you ask somebody to name four starters on their defense, you couldn't. And some of these guys are playing with, with guys who are hurt. 
I just think Atlanta – I think it's going to be a shootout, and I, and I think Atlanta's just going to be too much offensively for Green Bay, but I'm definitely pulling for the Packers. Yeah, I think everyone here in New Orleans is pulling for the Packers, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, Scott, since you've been through this before as a Super Bowl champion with the Saints, take me through this week leading up to the uh, championship games. I know you've had the Super Bowl run, but as a player and as a team – how much of this changes knowing that now you're you're one game away from the Super Bowl as far as your mindset, as far as your team's mindset, maybe the preparation heading into this weekend's games? Yeah, I think the one thing I remember is, is you know, after you beat the Vikings, just knowing, you know, you get to experience the Super Bowl and you kind of, for a couple of days, just you reflect on what it took to get to the Super Bowl. And then you start to think about, you know, the opponent. For us, it was the Colts, and you start thinking about Peyton Manning and the things you have to face, and that's where having two weeks to prepare is really nice, because there's so many other things that go into a Super Bowl, whether it's getting your family accommodations, getting tickets, making sure everybody's taken care of who's going to support you, so if that week when you go to, for us, Miami, you could concentrate fully on your opponent, and so it's nice to have those two weeks to prepare, because there's a lot of things that go into getting ready for a Super Bowl. How much of the balance when you're getting ready for an AFC championship or NFC championship game or any championship game that you guys are primarily focused on yourself and what you all have to do to execute, or is it more game planning for a specific player, maybe like an Aaron Rodgers or a specific offense? Yeah, I think you treat it you treat it like you have all year. There's a reason why you are that far, mm-hmm. and it's because your process and the way you've you've done it week in and week out has worked for the entire regular season. So you continue doing what you're doing. Uh, obviously your coaches have you have faith and trust in your coaches that, that they're putting together the best game plan because they've done it all year and you are there and and the one thing for us we played the Minnesota Vikings they were a very talented group they had tons of pro bowlers Brett Favre played his best football of his career um, that year so we knew it was going to be a challenge we knew we had to force turnovers um, because they had a good defense as well and and it was one of those battles that I'll never forget and and I tell people all the time that Minnesota Vikings team was one of the most talented teams we ever played. And for us, the key getting that home field advantage and only having one game before that um, was huge. And, and getting that bye week played a huge part in us going to the Super Bowl that year. No doubt about that. That's Scott Shanley, former Saints linebacker and Super Bowl champion. Scott, thanks for the time. I really appreciate the insight and enjoy the games this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. I'll wrap things up next on the Black and Blue Report. It's guys' night out. You and the crew head out to the club. Tonight is ladies' night, but there are no ladies in sight. Where are the ladies, bro? Then a bad batch of hot wings sends you sprinting to the bathroom. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans. See the Pels face off against reigning champs LeBron James and the Cavs Monday, January 23rd. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. 
We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. All right, time to wrap things up here from Studio B. Big thanks to Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, Scott Shanley from CST, former Saints linebacker and NFL Super Bowl champion. Of course, on tomorrow's show, we'll begin our preview of Pelicans and Magic in the six-game homestand with David Wesley of Fox Sports New Orleans. It is a Wesley Wednesday, and also Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair. Seems like it's been a while for him as he was on that long road trip with the Pelicans. We welcome Sean back, and of course, we'll continue our NFL coverage of the playoffs and much more. But again, big homestand for the Pelicans starts tomorrow against Orlando, and then they'll take on the Nets on Friday a team they just saw on the five-game road trip. All right, that'll do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and until then, have a great rest of your Tuesday, and thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.